Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading Short and Deep, The Tale of Peter Rabbit by Beatrix Potter. This is first published privately uh, in 1901. And uh, then 1902, it started getting uh, further publication. Eventually it gets color, more illustrations. And it's I assume it's still in print because um, how about this for a fact, Eric? The Beatrix Potter merchandising program <laughs> generates in excess of 500 million U.S. dollars at retail per annum. Uh, no. In 2003 article, I, f- I found that fact out, and I was very surprised. But half uh, half a billion dollars of, at retail, but that's that's merchandising too. So there's movies. Stuffed toys. There's the books. Right? There's TV shows. There's musical records. There's everything. And I think you know you can kind of forget that when you're reading the story proper. But I remember how influential it was on me. Incredibly influential as a child. And I think many other people had this experience. So, um, just that with a background. <laughs> You sort of the right. adult business out of the way. Um, I think everybody should uh, grab the PDF from our website. Um, it's full color illustrations. This is from a nineteen, a circa nineteen ten printing. And um, if you can, Eric, I'd love for you to read it to me and to us. You know, I I would love to. Uh, it's a book that I remember from having been read to me as a child and it's a book I remember reading to my children. Mm -hmm. And I also have my own special weird story about it too, but I'll save that one. The only problem is, um, you are so right. When I read this to my kids who are five years apart in age, um, I would read each page and then stop and we talk about the picture next Mm -hmm. to it. So, Mm -hmm. We, we shouldn't do that now at first. Let's just read the story. But uh, since not everyone will have the the book in front of them, let me just say when the pictures, when the pages turn. Because there's sure. a, every two-page spread has a picture and text, the, pale, the tale of Peter Rabbit. Once upon a time, there were four rabbits, and their names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. They lived with their mother in a sandbank, under the root of a very big fir tree. New page. Now, my dears, said old Mrs. Rabbit one morning, you may go into the fields or down the lane, but I don't, but don't go into Mr. McGregor's garden. Your father had an accident there. He was put in a pie by Mrs. McGregor. Next page. Now run along and don't get into mischief. I am going out. Next page. Then old Mrs. Rabbit took a basket and her umbrella and went through the wood to the baker's. She bought a loaf of brown bread and five currant buns. Next page. Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail, who were good little bunnies, went down the lane to gather blackberries. Next page. But Peter, who was very naughty, ran straight away to Mr. McGregor's garden and squeezed under the gate. Next page. 
First, he ate some lettuces and some French beans, and then he ate some radishes. Next page. And then, feeling rather sick, he went to look for some parsley. Next page. But round the end of a cucumber frame, whom should he meet but Mr. McGregor? Next page. Mr. McGregor was on his hands and knees planting out young cabbages, but he jumped up and ran after Peter, waving a rake and yelling, Stop, thief! Next page. Peter was most dreadfully frightened. He rushed all over the garden, for he had forgotten the way back to the gate. He lost one of his shoes among the cabbages and the other shoe amongst the potatoes. Next page. After losing them, he ran on four legs and went faster so that he, so that I think he might have got away altogether if he had not unfortunately run into a gooseberry net and got caught by the large buttons on his jacket. It was a blue jacket with brass buttons, quite new. Next page. Peter gave himself up for lost and shed big tears, but his sobs were overheard by some friendly sparrows who flew to him in great excitement and implored him to exert himself. Next page. Mr. McGregor came up with a sieve, which he intended to pop upon the top of Peter, but Peter wriggled out just in time, leaving his jacket behind him. Next page and rushed into the tool shed and jumped into a can. It would have been a beautiful thing to hide in if it had not had so much water in it. Next page. Mr. McGregor was quite sure that Peter was somewhere in the tool shed, perhaps hidden underneath a flower pot. He began to turn them over, carefully looking under each. Presently, Peter sneezed. <laughs> Mr. McGregor was after him in no time. Next page and tried to put his foot upon Peter, who jumped out of a window, upsetting three plants. The window was too small for Mr. McGregor, and he was tired of running after Peter. He went back to his work. Next page. Peter sat down to rest. He was out of breath and trembling with fright, and he had not the least idea which way to go. Also, he was very damp with sitting in that can. After a time, he began to wander about, going lippity, 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 not very fast, and looking all round. Next page. He found a door in a wall, but it was locked, and there was no room for a fat little rabbit to squeeze underneath. An old mouse was running in and out over the stone doorstep, carrying peas and beans to her family in the wood. Peter asked her the way to the gate, but she had such a large pea in her mouth that she could not answer. She only shook her head at him. Peter began to cry. Next page. Then he tried to find his way straight across the garden, but he became more and more puzzled. Presently, he came to a pond where Mr. McGregor filled his water cans. A white cat sat staring at some gold fish. She sat very, very still, but now and then the tip of her tail twitched as if it were alive. Peter thought it best to go away without speaking to her. He had heard about cats from his cousin, little Benjamin Bunny. Next page. He went back towards the tool shed, but suddenly, quite close to him, he heard the noise of a hoe. Scratch, 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 scratch. Peter scuttered underneath the bushes, but presently, as nothing happened, he came out and climbed upon a wheelbarrow and peeped over. The first thing he saw was Mr. McGregor hoeing onions. His back was turned towards Peter, and beyond him was the gate. Next page.
Peter got down very quietly off the wheelbarrow and started running as fast as he could go along a straight walk behind some black currant bushes. Mr. McGregor caught sight of him at the corner, but Peter did not care. He slipped underneath the gate and was safe at last in the wood outside the garden. Next page. Mr. McGregor hung up the little jacket and the shoes for a scarecrow to frighten the blackbirds. Next page. Peter never stopped running or looked behind him till he got home to the big fir tree. He was so tired that he flopped down onto the nice soft sand of the, on the floor of the rabbit hole and shut his eyes. His mother was busy cooking. She wondered what he had done with his clothes. It was the second little jacket and pair of shoes that Peter had lost in a fortnight. Next page. I'm sorry to say that Peter was not very well during the evening. His mother put him to bed and made some chamomile tea, and she gave him a dose of it to Peter. One tablespoon to be taken at bedtime. Next page. But Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail had bread and milk and blackberries for supper. The end. There's a lot going on. And this little simple tale of a naughty little rabbit. Agreed, agreed. Um, what are your thoughts, my friend? I'm thinking about how dangerous this book is because I obviously took it in and performed most of the actions. <laughs> I, I believe the statute of limitations on this is uh, gone, but I am guilty of stealing into people's gardens and eating their carrots and jumping on their trampoline <laughs> and oh. then running away, almost getting caught. Um, uh, I, it also strikes me that a lot of the things that I didn't notice, except in rereading it as an adult, that are so interesting, um, uh, the sort of the metafiction of, of this is fascinating. And this is, I guess maybe the exemplar of anthropomorphic fiction, right? Where you've got animals acting as humans. Sure, they live under a tree like regular rabbits might, but they have clothes and the mom goes shopping <laughs> at a bakery and the children go off to play in their clothes. But um, I think it's really interesting and significant that Peter loses all his clothes. Um, and he's so rabbit-like. There's so much going on in this, Eric. It's it's really fascinating. Uh, especially interesting is his father. His father <laughs> is dead. Is a single mom raising five babies, five kids, or five? Uh, what what what's the <laughs> the baby baby um, rabbit called? It's not kittens. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Bunnies. Bunnies. Oh, bunnies. Of course, raising five bunnies. Um, and she's got four girls, I think, and three. one, uh, three girls. That's right. Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail are, uh, they're three girls. They're dressed in pink, I think. Um, and actually, actually in the picture when they, they set off, they're dressed in red. Red. Yeah. Just, just the way little red riding hood. Oh is. yes. With the baskets too. Look yep. at that. Wow. Interesting. And then he's wearing his blue. Um, yep. his mom buttons up his, his top button for him. And then he goes off and he promptly loses his shoes and his, his cloak. And, uh, I note in the image, again, a thing I wouldn't have noticed as a kid, 
the scarecrow is actually a crucifixion. <laughs> There's a lot going on in here, Eric. I agree. Uh, not only is the scarecrow a crucifixion, but you'll notice that there are three birds that, looking up at the scarecrow, there's a fourth one perched on the um, one of the arms of it, mm-hmm. but there are three birds looking up at the scarecrow. Mm-hmm. The sparrows who come and urge him, Peter, to get out of the gooseberry net are three. Mm-hmm. And when he, in fact, manages to escape by going under the gate, there are three birds um, on t- perched on top of the gate watching him escape. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't help but think that there is a triune god involved here. There's something really interesting going on. Uh, I mean, there's a, the scene with the, the cat looking into the water. Um, it doesn't need to be in here to tell this story as it is. Uh, but she's already built out a whole universe for this, right? He's got a cousin <laughs> who we oh, learn yes. about in later books, I guess. Uh, I'd like to push the the biblical imagery just a yeah, tad further. Um, being told not to go into the garden is exactly the instruction right, that right. that you get after you have um, after original sin, mm-hmm. right? And there are three consequences for Adam and Eve for original sin, childbirth, toil, and death. So, in fact, one can see uh, Peter Rabbit's father um, as Adam. And Peter is the rock on whom one will... <laughs> well... Yeah. Right? And, and what is the most common animal symbol for Easter? Mm. for that time that will rise again. It's the Easter bunny. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, it's true that this story is rife with elements that we have out of Grimm's tales. Mm-hmm. Some of those go back to oral tales that antedate Christianity. But those tales have been in many ways Christianized by the telling of the Grimm brothers, which first appears in the... Uh, first two decades of the 19th century. By the third and fourth decades of the 19th century, those stories are everywhere in major European languages, including English. And Beatrix Potter was a big fan of fairy tales. But in fact, they're the Christianized ones. So we have Little Red Riding Hood. You know, the mother wears blue. Mm Mm-hmm. When she sends Peter off to the woods, but when she herself goes off to the woods, she's wearing a red cape just mm-hmm. like just like the girls. Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail assonate, right? That's mm-hmm. that same O vowel, Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail. But Peter, he's different. He stands out from them. If you take a look at his adventure in the garden, he's caught. He, it's only when he loses his shoes that he gets to go fast enough mm-hmm. to run on all three on all fours. Mm-hmm. He gets caught up in a gooseberry net. A gooseberry net is something that uh, even to this day you can find this online. Uh, gardeners are advised to put around the bush to keep b- birds from getting the gooseberries before they're ripe enough for human consumption. Mm-hmm. So he gets caught in the gooseberry net which would keep birds off. But the birds come to him and say, exert yourself, exert yourself. Mm-hmm. He sheds his coat 
And then when he has returned, if you'll forgive me for the the Garden of Eden imagery, when he has returned to his natural state. And after and he's, he gets baptized. Exactly. <laughs> and after he gets baptized. Right? Wow. Take a look at Far- Farmer McGregor. Farmer yeah, McGregor yeah. is um, a, a white man with a huge beard. Yeah. Right. And he, in fact, keeps the garden. McGregor means the son of Gregor. Gregor is a Latin name, which comes from Grex. Um, it means the flock. It means you know. And Gregory is the 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 flo- the herdsman, the the, the shepherd. Uh, Gregory is a watchman. A Gregor is a watchman um, who keeps watch over a flock. Pope Gregory was such a one. I don't think it's accidental, given her, Beatrix Potter's own background that this is farmer McGregor. Mm-hmm. It's true she spent summers as a child in Scotland, but she's also uh, well-educated, self-educated mostly, but well-educated. And the symbolism of the names, the colors, everything. So going back to the cat, which, as you say, we don't seem to need. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, but it's a white cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a purity about this cat. Peter wants to keep away from it because there is a kind of death involved. But what is... And we know what it means. It's that morbidity. My father got killed. Mm-hmm. Mrs. McGregor's pie. Here's the cat. But he's looking at a goldfish. And fish is the oldest symbol that gets adopted for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we see it on bumper stickers all the time. So when Peter gets back, this is almost as if it were a work out of the, the long history of Mariolatry. Yes, yes, there's God, and yes, yes, there's Jesus. We've seen the crucifix, as you point out, which has the earthly trappings of Peter, right, his clothing. Mm-hmm. But when he's freed from all of that, then he goes back and he's in the arms of his mother, as if it were Pieta. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's interesting, too, in the very first picture uh, on um, page 8, um, you see the family. At least uh, the, the mother and the three girls, and they're all staring at us from under the front door of their house, right? But they're all nude, they're yep. unclothed. And then uh, the next scene, we see them getting dressed up to go out. Finally, mom gets dressed up to go shopping, and she buys, I note, a loaf of bread and five currant buns. I assume uh, everybody gets a currant bun, and later we see currants. I, I'm very interested in the fruit and the uh, <laughs> and the vegetables but especially the fruit that gets picked and then on page 16 we see the picture of flopsy mopsy and cottontail who were good little bunnies went down the lane to gather blackberries and they're gathering their blackberries but they're unclothed they're kind of wiser about not wrecking their clothes i guess they've removed them that is one way to look at it, and I think that's correct. But I think it's equally correct to say that they are able to gather blackberries, which just grow naturally, mm-hmm. by doing it in their own natural state. Yeah. Mom goes off to the baker to buy five, not current buns, but red current buns. Mm. But when Peter escapes from the garden, the last vegetable that's named, the mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. growing thing, he runs by black currant bushes. Mm. So to the extent that black is death, 
you need to escape it. But if, in fact, you are in a natural state, there is no death, and they get to feast on the blackberries that the the sisters gathered naturally. Mm-hmm. Switch from black to red, clearly, I mean, from red to black, I think has to be significant. Um, we have, after all, a trained artist who supported herself as an illustrator before she was able to make money as a children's book writer. I, I, I do see the fairy tale roots in this. I'm, I'm thinking about those friendly sparrows, the um, uh, the birds that are so significant in Hansel and Gretel. Um, but I also think there's some some uh, the great sound devices that you don't. I I guess you don't think about as being sort of exclusive to children's stories, right? So presently, Peter sneezed, "Kershnoo." <laughs> and then there's the scrape of the rake, and um, there's the the sound of the of his going fast, right? Oh, not very fast, lippity lippity. The sound of his yes. feet, right? Um, and I note note that um, on the previous page or previous two page spread, this, the feet of Mr. McGregor are spiked boots, right? Yeah. This is not a you know this is he is literally under life death sentence right if he gets caught he will be in a pie um uh, it makes me think of you know how many blackbirds are baked in a pie all the animals here are sort of on the same team right and they're all interested in the in the fruits of mr mcgregor's garden the old mouse was running in and out of the stone door carrying peas and beans to her family in the wood she is unclothed as well Peter asked her the way, but she had such a large pea in her mouth that she could not answer. She shook her head at him. Peter began to cry. Wow. Yeah. So powerful. Such powerful imagery. And, um, yeah, the, the hoe goes, scratch, 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 scratch. <laughs> right? So it, it's almost a radio drama <laughs> with a picture. Yeah. I guess it's a TV show before such thing, or a cartoon, obviously, with, with the... Um, connection to Br'er Rabbit being almost, you know, the, the precursor to cartoons as well. We've got a, sort of an English strain of it here, but... Actually, there's a closer, there's a closer background mm-hmm. uh, uh, reference, I think. Uh, a number of critics um, I encountered uh, suggested that Potter was admiring and influenced by um, Helen Bannerman's uh, Little Black Sambo. Mm. Um, which is itself a very complicated, well, in the sense that Peter Rabbit is. It's, it's, a, it's a, a deep and subtle work that one can mm-hmm. go at at length. Um, but that comes out in 1893, I think, and is uh, wildly popular. Mm-hmm. I'll just remind you, um, Little Black Sambo encounters uh, tiger, tigers who keep wanting his clothing. And he has to give away per one article of clothing after another. When he gets all of his clothing gone and the tiger is dressed up in his clothing and thinks of himself as so fine, he fools the tiger into running around the tree. And the tiger keeps running and running and running and running until he turns into ghee, a kind of Indian butter, um, at which point Sambo is able to re- regain his clothing and bring the ghee back to his parents. So it's finding the right relationship 
to the clothing and being able to navigate the world and finding food through it and go away from and come back to the home. I mean, there is so much here that is parallel to Little Black Sambo, but I think without the the modern problem that one legitimately has with the uh, racist assumptions behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a lot. It, there is the fairy tale. There is the Christology. Uh, but there is also uh, a beginning history of real children's books that Beatrix Potter is, uh, I think, growing from and, and making a genuine contribution to. Uh, I don't think modern kids understand that very no, much. No, no. But I think they feel the power of it. Uh, in fact, Little Black Sambo is – I don't think that is – if it may still be in print, but it, it certainly doesn't have the stature. Although I, I re, when I was a kid, I remember really enjoying it. I, I don't not, I have not revisited since then, but I, I imagine that Helen Bannerman's um, uh, estate is not as wealthy as that of the Beatrix Potter estate, just based on the fact that they've got sort of a race going on. And it's completely excised from this. But there there are a couple of things I want to point out about how smooth the writing here is. Um, it's, it's, it's literally classic now, right? But I don't know how, how smooth it would have been at the time. The page uh, 34 and 35 is a two-page spread with uh, the little boy rabbit getting almost caught by Mr. McGregor's sieve. And it reads... Mr. McGregor came up with a sieve, which he intended to pop upon the top of Peter. Nice sounds there, right? Pop upon the top of Peter. But Peter wriggled out just in time, leaving his jacket behind him. Now he's completely nuded, right? And then we see the picture on the next page of him popping into a pot, uh, a, a watering can, I should say. And then we get a sentence that isn't a sentence. And rushed into the tool shed and jumped into a can. <laughs> it doesn't matter that it's not grammatical because we <laughs> totally are following. We're so into it we wouldn't even have noticed, right? And I also note that this is just a once upon a time story, but there actually is a narrator. <laughs> she mentioned, well, I whoever she is, the narrator. Um, sort of puts herself in the story when she says on page 30 after losing them whatever them is right it's from the previous page the potatoes and his his uh shoe sorry the shoe he ate the potatoes after losing them he ran on four legs and went faster so that i think he might have gotten away altogether if he had not unfortunately run into a gooseberry net and got caught by the large buttons on his jacket so this is the only time the author inserts herself into, or the narrator inserts herself in, but it's it's almost like a little reassurance, right? Like, oh, um, I'm I'm the one telling this story. It's not abstract. It's your mom reading it to you or your dad reading it to you, right? And I think that that's I, actually I would say it's your grandmother. Oh, or your uh-huh. grandmother. For reasons having to do with the, the development of uh, written folk tales in the 19th century, um, coming from agricultural uh, communities where the father and the childbearing age female, the male and the female, were expected to work. Mm-hmm. But what use could you have of a postmenopausal woman? Ah, she could be reading stories. Mm. She could be entertaining the kids. And, you know, a lot of the Grimm's fairy tales 
have that same whiff of a, an individual narrator, a story that ends, for example, with, and if they haven't died, they are living happily still, you know, is different from saying they lived happily ever after. Mm -hmm. It's, it's acknowledging the narrator's own incomplete, um, knowledge. So the narrators are not omniscient. They, they're really there too. She's picking up on that. And I think it's, it's, wise of you to to realize this as well it is a story meant to be read to a kid mm -hmm. even though we're meant to enjoy it i i'd like to tell you a little story though this is so silly but i, I have to share it with you my friend Go for it. um growing up in brooklyn uh i you know i i knew a lot of things i mean Growing up in New York, you know, you, you see people of all races. I mean, all sorts of things impinged upon my life, and I feel very fortunate. But one of the things that never impinged upon my life was chamomile. Mm. And so when I read this story, or I should say when it was read to me, because I didn't learn to read till I was actually too old for this story. When it was read to me, um, the word dose is very important. Yes, it is. Right. Peter had disobeyed his mother. We know that he is consistently naughty because it's the second set of clothes mm -hmm. that he's lost in a fortnight. Mm -hmm. He's feeling bad. She sends him to bed and doses him with chamomile. Now, when I was a kid, people would sometimes punish children by giving them castor oil. Right. Which can be used as a um, to to loosen one's bowels. But it also tastes terrible. Mm. It's like washing your mouth out with soap. It's something, you know, soap is good, but you use it on kids as a punishment. And I thought chamomile must be this terrible, horrible tasting <laughs> stuff that, you know, I, honest to God, and it wasn't until I was in my 30s living in Madrid and seeing in the grocery stores tila. You know, it was, there were these packages of tila all over the place. And I looked them up in my dictionary, and it turned out that tila, which was among all of the other varieties of tea, tila was chamomile. Mm. And I tried it, and I loved it. That's good and stuff. there it was, you know, 25 years later, I suddenly realized that the mother was an all-forgiving mother. And I've got to say, now that I realize that, it plays right into the notion that this can be an example of mariolatry. That's not the only time he doses himself, actually, or he gets dosed. Um, he upsets his stomach by eating all these uh, radishes, and then he 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 goes looking for some parsley. <laughs> yes, but I don't think the word parsley. I don't think the word. No, it doesn't say. Do no, it doesn't say dose. I I believe I'm just going from memory from 40 years ago or however long it was. Um, there's another story uh, in the same se series, I guess, um, in which uh, somebody d calls a, I think it's lettuce, a soporific. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. And it's like, I always find lettuce to be a soporific. And I just never had that effect on me. No, but it's me a neither, way, right? Great way to learn the word. But, um, <laughs> you know, you don't take... Uh, the the time of day to drink chamomile tea is before bed because it doesn't have caffeine, right? It's right. not going to keep you up and it's not going to disturb your stomach, uh, at least not as long as you don't dose it too high, I guess. Um, and it is um, it it is you can see her cooking it up there, right? Cooking up the 
the the T for poor little Peter who's in bed on page fifty seven. Yep. Um, he's he's had a terrible day, but this is yes. not the first time he's gotten into trouble. And um, I, I I guess if you look at it through modern psychology point of view, um, he's acting out. His dad was murdered or at least killed, and uh, he's he he even is told at the beginning of the story, you know, don't go there. Your dad had an accident. Well. <laughs> In traditional tales, the ones that come most rapidly to mind, we have, you know, don't go off into the woods, mm. right? Don't stop and talk to anybody. That's Little Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. But here we have a boy, not a girl. And the boy follows in the footsteps of his father, who also went into Mr. McGregor's garden. So it may be that um, that he's just naughty. It may be that the the story is saying that's what men are. Yeah, I think I think that it's interesting that the mom is the one alive to tell the story, and she it's uh, we we do have a narrator, but we get her judgment until we get that narrator that that they are good little bunnies, his sisters, and that he has been very naughty. Right? This is this is the mom's judgment rather than a father saying, "You got to be brave, son, and provide for your kids," or whatever whatever it is. Um, it's a shame that Beatrix Potter never had children of her own, because if this is her idea of motherhood, oh, how glorious it would be to have her. Apparently, it was written for her own nurse's children. Yes. And she was quite concerned with and kind to her nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. But but still, um, what a lovely mother. And, you know... It's not that I want to become a rabbit, but <laughs> really, I guess, I guess, you know, if I were to turn this to myself, it's not just that 25 years later, I found a new fact about this book. I guess if I were to look inside myself, I'd have to admit there's a child there and he wants to know, he has to say that there is always more to say. And remember... You can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep.